Well, one of the most um, disputed and controversial questions in um, church practice and in uh, theology generally is how should Christians observe Sundays? Should we observe Sunday as a special day at all? Um, is, this, is Sunday the same or different from the Sabbath of the Old Covenant? Uh, and the church throughout its history has shifted its attitude towards this question. Um, in the first few hundred years of the, um, of, of the history of the church, the, the, um, the early church and the early church fathers, at that point there was a great emphasis upon breaking away from the influence of the synagogue. There's a, something called a book uh, called, or an epistle called the Epistle to Barnabas. It's a second century um, letter um, which decries the number of Christians that are still attending the synagogue on the Saturday. Uh, and the, the great emphasis of the early church fathers was that the church needs, needed to, must not be bound by Jewish regulations. And that's perhaps why the emphasis, um, or the, this is a, somewhat of a generalization, but I think it's true, that in general the church fathers taught that there was no connection between the fourth commandment and the worship of the church on Sunday. They didn't see that connection. Get then to the Middle Ages, and of course the, the dominant figure of the, in the Middle, Age, Middle Ages was the great Roman Catholic theologian Thomas Aquinas. Um, and he had a different view. He's, he, um, he was sort of half right and half wrong in my opinion, but he, he, he at least taught that there was a, cro a close relationship between the Ten Commandments and the Christian Church, and that therefore the Sabbath commandment was relevant to the Church's understanding and observance of the Lord's Day, or Sunday. Um, he said this because, like the other commandments, commandment to remember the Sabbath day was part of the moral law of God, binding upon all, all men, including obviously, and especially perhaps, Christians. He taught quite rightly that there um, were ceremonial aspects to the Sabbath laws, which no longer apply in the new covenant, such as the requirement to hold the Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, the Saturday, and the strict laws including the death penalty and so on for breaking the Sabbath. He taught that the ceremonial aspects no longer apply, but the actual um, commandment to remember the Sabbath day still applied to the church. However, where he was wrong was that he taught that the Lord's Day, being on a Sunday, um, was not established, as he put it, by any law. He doesn't mean Mosaic law. He means by any kind of scriptural law. He says the only, he really taught that the only reason the church moved from Saturday, from Saturday to Sunday as the day of worship 
was because, um, well, to quote him directly, he says, this took place by the institution of the church and the custom of Christian people. In other words, he taught that the Roman Catholic Church created the Lord's Day along with all the myriads of other holy days uh, that the Roman Catholic Church created. So as I say, he was half right. Um, in the Reformation period, led by Martin Luther and John Calvin, it's probably true to say that they, they didn't consider the Lord's Day, Sunday, to be as binding upon the Christian believer as the Old Covenant Sabbath was upon the Old Covenant believer. Uh, and we get a sense of this from Luther's commentary to the Galatians. Um, and, and he's talking about the Sabbath day or the Lord's day. He says, we observe the Lord's day, the day of his nativity, Easter and such feasts with all liberty. So you see he's lumping in the Sabbath day with all, you know, with Easter and, and Christmas and all the rest of it. And with feasts, with all liberty. Um, we burden not consciences with these ceremonies. So he's calling the Sabbath day or the Lord's day a ceremony. Neither teach as the false apostles did that they are necessary to righteousness. Well, that's right. That's true. Or that we can make satisfaction for sins by them. But we keep them to the end that all may be done orderly and without tumult in the church. So you can get a sense there where he's sort of a very pragmatic approach. Uh, yes, we, we, we worship on the Lord's Day because it's, it'll keep church order. But really... Um, it's just really one of the one of a number of, of, of holy days and there is Christian liberty around it. John Calvin's view of the Sabbath or, or the Lord's Day um, is quite complex. Um, he does see the primary purpose of the Sabbath as typifying our spiritual rest from works, which is true. Um, and that the, the, this purpose of the Sabbath comes to an end with the coming of Christ. Um, he believed, obviously, that the Sabbath commandment provided a set day for public worship and that there was a need for there to be a set day for public worship. But which day of the week and how many days um, he was basically saying was a matter of indifference. So the reformers, um, well, let me put it this way. As we, as we come on then later in church history to the Puritans, the Puritans returned the church to position somewhat more like Thomas Aquinas in the sense that they, they made the distinction between the ceremonial elements of the Sabbath and the moral element of the fourth commandment. But by the 17th century, Reformed theologians took a very firm stance that the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath day, minus the ceremonial aspects, was binding upon the New Testament church. And you can see this um, in the wording of chapter 1, article 7 and 8 in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, and I'm just going to, it's not very long, I'll just read it to you. And you'll see that this is a very, let's use the word, Sabbatarian view 
of, of, of Sunday, of, the, of, of Christian Sabbath. As it is the law of nature that in general a due proportion of time be set apart for the worship of God, so in his word, by a positive moral and perpetual commandment binding all men unto him, from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. So he's talking about the Old Testament covenant being the Saturday. And from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which in scripture is called the Lord's Day and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath. This Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord when men after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand do not only observe a holy rest all the day from their works words and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations but are also taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. And you see the difference there between Calvin, Luther, and the early church fathers. So, this more Sabbatarian approach to the Lord's Day really was the dominant approach to Sundays from the time of the Puritans. Uh, I'm talking here about evangelical Christians. That view of, this, of the Lord's Day was the dominant view from the time of the Puritans really to the middle of the 20th century, arguably even, even up to the 1970s, perhaps arguably, arguably. And it's beyond dispute that the modern evangelical church has changed its attitude to Sunday. And, and this has gone hand in hand with a change in society, of course. Um, in August 1994, a change in Sunday trading laws meant that thousands of shops in England and Wales, for the first time, could open legally. Um, evangelicals, evangelical churches used to hold morning and evening services on the Lord's Day, but this is almost, this is very rarely now seen with the inevitable consequence that with half the teaching of pre previous generations, Bible knowledge amongst Christians is, has declined. It's obvious that's going to happen. And, you know, I asked the question, would previous generations who held Sundays as the Christian Sabbath have given Sunday up so easily during covid I very much doubt it. This change, together with other changes in, in the evangelical church, such as changes towards the, the, the importance of preaching and so on, hasn't made the church stronger, has it? It's made the church weaker. So, I mentioned those historical things to point out that there, there have been these different attitudes towards Sunday in the history of the church at times emphasizing the difference between the Sabbath and Sunday and at other times emphasizing the similarity between them 
We live in an age where the emphasis is on the um, difference between the Sabbath and Sunday. But is that right? Is it right to say that a New Testament Christian or a New Testament church is no longer obligated to observe the fourth commandment, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy? You know, I, I speak with some difficulty because there are great men of God, great reformed teachers of the word, far, far greater than me, who disagree with this view. That, um, but I, I hold, I believe, that the Bible teaches that the fourth commandment still applies in the New Testament. I believe the Westminster Confession of Faith 21, Article 7 and 8 is the best statement the church possesses in regard to the teaching of the scriptures on this issue, apart from the Bible itself, of course. And I want to demonstrate that this is true by looking at two of the most common objections that are raised against the idea of, um, that the church has to rem remember the Sabbath day. The first argument, the first common argument that, that is used to say that the New Testament believer is not obligated to keep the fourth commandment is that the Sabbath in the Old Testament was simply a part of the Mosaic law which has been fulfilled in Christ, fulfilled in Christ and no longer therefore applies to the church. Well, I've argued from the beginning of this uh, um, mini-series, mini an unplanned mini-series on the Ten Commandments. I've argued that the Ten Commandments are the moral law of God, which applies for all time. The law of God in the, in the Old Covenant included the moral law, which is the Ten Commandments, included the ceremonial law, um, all the feasts and festivals, and all that those those types they are all gone now they're all fulfilled in Christ um, and then there are the civil laws of Israel which um, well the Westminster Confession says that they are repealed because we don't we, we know we're not a theocracy the theocracy um, has gone but they're the general equity if there is any general equity in those civil laws, then we can learn and use them in society and in the church. In other words, general wisdom. But they don't apply to us. But the moral law applies for all time. It, it will apply until the Lord Jesus Christ... Well, it'll apply... It'll apply I'm not really sure what I'm saying there, whether, whether there is ever an end to the moral law of God. I don't think there ever will be, because it's a reflection of God himself. But there's another reason why it is false to say that um, just because uh, the commandment about the Sabbath is, is in the Old Covenant, is in the Mosaic Law, that it's no longer as applied. One is, as I say, it's the moral law of God anyway. But secondly, um, secondly, the... It, 
we have to ask, where do we find the origin of the Sabbath? Is the beginning of the Sabbath in Moses, is it the beginning of the Sabbath at Mount Sinai, or is the beginning somewhere else? Well, we, we know even from our reading this evening that the origin of the Sabbath, and indeed the reason for the fourth commandment, is found not in Moses, it's found in Genesis. It's found in the creation of the world. So the, Mo, Moses is here saying, you have to remember the Sabbath day, why? Well, the reason is in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So we're obviously talking here about thousands of years, literally, before Moses and Sinai. And God hallows and creates the Sabbath. So to say that the Sabbath no longer is irrelevant on the basis that it's mosaic is ridiculous because the Sabbath was, a, was part of the original creation order. Now it's often argued that Deuteronomy 5, uh, which is another version of the giving of the law, proves the origin of the law is rooted in the history of Israel and Mount, and, and, uh, Mount Sinai. Um, and it is true that there is a different reason given for the Sabbath than the one given in Exodus 20. But we have to remember that in Deuteronomy, we're 40 years further on than we are here in Exodus. Um, and if we, look, if we turn to Deuteronomy 5 and verse 12 following, we see that the account of the, of the Sabbath is almost identical, apart from there's a different reason given for it. It says in, in Deuteronomy 5 verse 12, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that the manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And here, the reason for the Sabbath, and remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out from thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm, Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So here Moses, as he retells the giving of the law, emphasises that one of the functions of the Sabbath is to rest from labour in order to have the space and the time to think about the saving work of God. And that is true. But it doesn't negate the fact that the Sabbath was first established by God before sin came into the world and before there was any need for God to perform any saving work at all. 
And so Deuteronomy 5 reminds us that the people of God are to remember the saving work of God. And Exodus 20 reminds us, the people of God, that we have to remember the creative creative work of God. Every Sabbath we are to remember those two things. He is our creator and he is our saviour. So you see, the Sabbath did not originate with Moses. Um, right from the beginning of time, God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. It's built into the very structure of life, including you and I. Um, it is the God-given pattern for man for all of time. It is a creation order, and we call it an ordinance in like there are two creation ordinances one is the sabbath the other is marriage which you read of in genesis 2 and verse 24 they're creation ordinances and a creation ordinance is something which which really means that life doesn't work unless you have it unless you have it life doesn't work without the sabbath life doesn't work without family marriage and family because it's it's woven into the structure right at the beginning of life of, of, of the creation of you and I and how we operate we are to work six days and rest one of course we have weekends now we have Saturdays but we end up normally doing the you know, work at home at least don't we it doesn't necessarily have to be paid work maybe preparing sermons for Sunday it's all work but there has to be this one day in the week built in it's built into our the way we operate time is structured that way seven days of 24 hours there's, there's nothing in nature to say that there had to be seven days I mean there isn't there is in terms of the hours because of the moon but there's nothing in in, in nature to that would indicate that it had to be a seven day week that came from God and yet the whole world operates on that basis time is structured by God seven days of 24 hours and one of uh, uh, you know and uh, uh, one day of rest um, an attempt was made during the French Revolution to to get rid of Christianity to get rid of all traces of Christianity and um, one of the things they did was that they, they invented, during the revolution, they invented the French Republic calendar. And they had a 10-day week. They, they called the day a decade for some reason, but a 10-day week. And um, this was really to try and break up God's order. And, you know, when Napoleon was successful in his coup and took over um, he changed it back to seven days because the people were exhausted they were absolutely exhausted ten days of you know people worked hard in those days of course ten days of, of, of solid labor with no break and they were they were on, they were it was a disaster the whole thing and I had they had to uh, get rid of it It's because it's creation ordinance. And that means that there are certain things in creation that stay with mankind 
all through his existence in this world. Sabbath springs not in the first place from redemption, but in the first place from creation. Um, and I'm not going to repeat it now, but I, I did spend a long time trying to explain the deeper significance of the Sabbath early on in this series that we're doing. And just reminded you that in many ways the promise that the this, this creation of the Sabbath in creation really was a sign of a greater rest to come. A rest um, which Adam and Eve would have come into if they had at some point if they God if their sin had not come into the world and they had completed the cultural mandate to fill the earth um, there would have come a t there would come a time when the new heavens and the new earth would have come down when they would have entered into that final rest uh, and really the whole of salvation the whole plan of redemption is God doing through salvation what would have happened if man had, had been obedient in the covenant of works he's the Lord Jesus Christ has to win us back uh, the new heavens and the new earth it, it, because sin came into the world and Sabbath, the Sabbath is, a, is, a, is whispers that there is a greater rest to come I don't want to go through all that again but for now just note this that even if sin had never come into the world even if we had remained sinless creatures, there would still have been a Sabbath that we would have had to have observed as a holy day. Because it was brought in before sin came into the world. Sabbath then is for all of mankind, not just for Israel. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He didn't say Sabbath was made for Israel. He said Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath is a creation ordinance and as part of the moral law of God, obviously it's codified in the Mosaic law, but it applies to the New Testament believer, you and I, and to, of course to all of mankind. And of course an unbeliever can't really keep the Sabbath, but he can't keep any of the law. But he's still responsible for the fact that he's not keeping the Sabbath. The relationship the believer has to the moral law of God is completely different to the relationship the unbeliever has to the law. The relationship the unbeliever has to the Ten Commandments is one of judgment and curse and condemnation. The relationship I have and you have to the law is that the law is our guide. It tells us what pleases God and, 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 and is our lamp to our feet. It doesn't condemn us. Um, okay, so that's the first argument that is used to say that this commandment, this fourth commandment, is abolished, really, in the New Testament. And this is a serious thing because... I, I, I'm, I'm, sh I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that the vast majority of Christians are setting aside the Sabbath on the basis that it is a defunct, 
abolished commandment of Moses. And that's what they're being taught. You know, so I don't blame the people, I blame the preacher. The second argument is that that is used to say that this um, commandment no longer applies in the New Testament is the argument that the New Testament teaches that all days are alike and that it is a matter of personal choice whether you observe holy days. And um, there are some texts, scriptures, which are used to advance this argument, and I, I haven't the time to do it properly, but I just want to look at them. There are not very many. Nearly, ev all, nearly everyone, um, some, I say, some very famous and great teachers of the word today will turn to um, a verse such as um, Romans 14, 5 and 6. Let's turn to that. To argue that the Sabbath no longer is no longer applicable. So Romans 14 <clears throat> verses 5 and 6 says, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and so on. You know, in, in the context of Romans 14, 5 and 6, Paul is teaching that in the Christian life, in, 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 in sanct the sanctification of the Christian life, um, and in the context particularly of feasting and gluttony, the, 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 the King James talks about orgies, but it's not really, we think of something even worse when we use the word orgies. It's really what, what was going on there were, were these great feasts of food and gluttony. And um, the context here is that some weaker Christians um, found it easier to resist the temptation of overindulgence through complete abstinence. Um, here at the end, he that eateth, eateth to the Lord, and he that giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Verse 6. Stronger Christians learned to control themselves, and they're free to eat of, uh, of all things. Um, some believers in their fight against the flesh found it helpful to have special days of fasting, special holy days. The stronger Christian knows that all days are alike. But the point is that the stronger Christian shouldn't despise the weaker Christian. There's Christian liberty in these things. Because they are things indifferent and they're not essential and, and later in the chapter Paul exhorts stronger Christians to forgo their liberties if by exercising them they offend the weaker Christian 
But the point is that that's a matter of choice. I, you know, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. I'm perfectly free to have a glass of wine, but I choose not to have a glass of wine because I know the person I've invited doesn't agree in, with having a glass of wine. And I don't want to offend his conscience. I still have the freedom. I choose not to use it. So, um, that is the context of these days. Really, what he's talking about is food, but he brings in days as, as a kind of add-on here. Um, and, <clears throat> just trying to find my place back. So some, he brings in the issue of days. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. In other words, this is not about the Sabbath. This is about some Christians finding it helpful in their, in their fight against the flesh to have certain special days of fasting, special days for prayer, special days for this and special days for that. And this is something that the church has done throughout its history. Um, and ultimately it's a matter of Christian liberty as to whether you observe these days or not. We talked about it at Christmas, you know, we, we, we took a pragmatic approach um, but you know if somebody didn't agree with, the, with, the, with the Christmas I'm perfectly at liberty just to forget about it um, but what those who argue that the Sabbath is, is now defunct is that they're lumping in the Sabbath the fourth command in with this context saying that the Sabbath is just one of these days these special days which it's up to you really it's, it's really Christian liberty as to whether you observe it or not um, you know if you're a weaker if you're a weaker brother then you probably will you know the strong Christians well now, I mean that to me I mean it, it is clear to me that the con in the context of these verses which is really about how Christians should not make any provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof this has nothing whatsoever to do with the Christian Sabbath or with, the, with this. It just doesn't, it doesn't prove it one way or the other. It's just totally irrelevant. It's not talking about the fourth commandment. It's not talking about the Lord's Day. It's talking about these other days. Another verse that is a text which is commonly advanced to, to, to argue um, the Sabbath is no longer relevant is Galatians 4. Let's read that one. Uh, 10 and 11. Galatians 4, 10 and 11. It says here, Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labour in vain. Again here, in context, Paul is talking about the proper and improper uses of the law. Um, the law, of course, was added because of transgressions to teach us that we are sinners. And some of these Galatians were looking to the law to make them right with God. Um, and by so doing, they were missing the point of the law. Salvation is not in the law, but in Christ. But in context, Paul is saying, 
You are observing the Mosaic feasts, the holidays, the old covenant calendar, if you like, because you think this will make you right with God. And he says, I'm afraid I've, I'm waste, I've, I've wasted my labour on you. You see, again, it's, got, it's totally unconnected to the fourth commandment. He's talking about how these Christians were looking at the Mosaic calendar, all the old covenant system, and, and going back to that and, and using that as a way of earning salvation. It's got nothing to do, really, with the issue at hand. So, um, then finally, looking at Colossians 2, verse 16. This is a slightly stronger um, verse because at least it is talking about the Sabbath. Um, Colossians 2.16, this is often used uh, by uh, teachers to say the Sabbath doesn't apply to us. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath Days. Now the word days is in italics, and if you've got a good copy of the AV, you'll realise that that's added. That's not in the in the original. Uh, added for sense, but in, that, in fact, the, the Sabbath there is, is plural already. In the New King James, it just says Sabbaths, which makes more sense to me. Just say Sabbaths. Um, so here again, it's not talking about the Sabbath. It's talking about the whole. Um, Sabbath system in the Old Covenant. Um, in context, Paul is talking about human philosophy and traditions controlling us when we're in Christ. And Paul is contrasting the Old Testament shadows in the Old Covenant which prepare God's people for the substance that we receive in Christ in the New. So the festivals, the Sabbath festivals and so on, in the Old Covenant were shadows. Um, the substance is in Christ. We know this, the, 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 the Day of Atonement. The great festival of the Day of Atonement. Well, that's fulfilled in Christ. He is the Atonement. The, the Passover, fulfilled in Christ. Um, and this text... Um, indicates that I think that Paul is not referring to the Sabbath day singular well we know it's not singular but he's referring to the whole system of Sabbaths in the Old Covenant and there was you know there are all sorts of Sabbaths in the Old Covenant there was Sabbath there is the Sabbath day but there's Sabbath years the Sabbaths for the land there's the year of Jubilee which was uh, uh, the end of 50, 50 years, the, the land, uh, any land which had been lost, was restored to the original allocation of the tribe uh, uh, under Joshua. And having said that, I believe actually that Paul may well be including the Old Covenant Sabbath in this injunction, in the sense that the seventh day Sabbath the Saturday Sabbath, has been fulfilled in Christ. 
The requirement, in other words, the ceremonial requirement to hold Sabbath on a Saturday, the ceremonial aspect of the Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Shadow has given way to substance. You see, Israel was waiting for the fulfillment which we, we have in the New Testament. Their pattern of life was set by the Sabbath and their pattern was work and then rest. They worked and they looked forward to rest. In the New Testament, the church, the church's Sabbath, the Lord's Day, enables us to begin the week with rest and then go into work. You see, we, we as Christians operate from a position of rest, not of work. Because we're in the new covenant. We have begun to experience the rest that will one day be fulfilled at the second coming of Christ and the ushering in of the new heavens and the new earth. So yes, Paul may well be including in this uh, Colossians 2.16 the idea that the seventh day Sabbath has passed away. But the principle of the Sabbath is not. The requirement of the Sabbath has not. The ceremonial aspect of the Sabbath day and all these other Sabbath, um, this other calendar of Sabbaths has passed away, yes. But not the principle of the Sabbath itself. And we know, don't we, and we need to just focus on this quickly, it's clear from the New Testament that the Sabbath day this creation ordinance shifted in the new covenant to the day of Christ's resurrection, the first day of the week. The day has changed in the New Testament, but the Sabbath principle hasn't changed at all. No verse or verses in the New Testament teach that the principle of the Sabbath has been removed. You find me one, I'll stand to be corrected but I'm pretty sure I'm right um, when you piece together all the New Testament data uh, a clear picture emerges that Sabbath remains but that the Sabbath day is no longer the Saturday for the church but the first day of the week the Sunday but it's still the Sabbath um, we think of Revelation well let's quickly turn to these verses and then we'll close Revelation 1 verse 10 a well known verse this is John on the island of Patmos I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet so he's there in the spirit on the Lord's day. In other words, he's worshipping God on the Lord's day. Now the Lord's day is a description of the day. It's an adjective. This day is the Lord's day. It's similar to saying the Lord's supper. It's the Lord's supper. It's the Lord's day, the Lord's supper. There are, there are other days, there are other suppers. But there's only one Lord's day and there's only one Lord's supper. There's this... Um, adjective applied so we can we can fairly ask 
those who object to this teaching, that if there is no special day in the new covenant, why is there this reference to the Lord's day here? Now we can't just rely on one verse, I accept that, and I won't be. But that's a, that's a question that needs to be answered. Several times in the New Testament, the scriptures teach that there is a special day and that this day has changed from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, and we haven't the time to go through it properly, but it, there, it begins with these numerous references to the resurrection of our Lord on the first day of the week. And perhaps we just look at 1 John um, 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark and so on. The first day of the week. And then there are the numerous similar verses in the Gospels. They all speak of the first day of the week as the day of Christ's resurrection. And then we see evidence of the church honouring the first day of the week. There is evidence in the New Testament that the church gathered for worship on the first day of the week, the Sunday, the day of the week in which Christ rose. And uh, in a way, the Lord Jesus set that pattern himself uh, in John 20 again, uh, verse 26. An amazing verse, this. It says, and after eight days, note that, after eight days, that's the first day of the week, after eight days, Again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And, you know, we get these verses such as Acts 2, verse 1. Um, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That was the first day of the week. Acts 20 and uh, <clears throat> verse 7, for example. Um, here's Paul coming, getting, standing up to preach. And he says, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them on the first day of the week. I haven't got time to go through all these verses. And we know from 1 Corinthians 16 in verse 2 that that's when collections were, were made. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, 2, upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, taken together, and I haven't gone through all of them, we see that there's, there's this pattern of Christians gathering on the first day, treating Sunday as a special day. And so clearly, the first day of the week is now the Lord's day, is now the Sabbath. And this is the practice which the church followed and has followed. It was the apostolic practice that became the rule in the life of the church. 
The old seventh day Sabbath is fulfilled, that's true. So in our Reformed confessions, it is clearly stated that the Old Testament Sabbath has transformed into the Lord's day for the Christian and has become the Sabbath for the Christian. Therefore, the moral law remains in force. There is still a day appointed by God for the Christian and indeed for all mankind to rest and to worship. Now, of course, the unbeliever can't do that. They can do they can still rest physically, I suppose. But that's beside the point. It's still the moral law of God. And as Christians, we can obviously gather for worship on any day and at any time. But we are called to worship together on the Lord's Day. Whatever else we do, we must gather on the Lord's Day. We must worship on the Lord's Day. We are called to remember that this day belongs to the Lord, not just a couple of hours of it, not just the hours of the service, the whole day. The last time I checked, the day was 24 hours. Of course, we've got to go to sleep, but that's resting, I suppose. The whole day is the Lord's day. I had to think about that. We tend to think, well, we've gone, we, we, we've gone to the meeting, we've maybe spent the afternoon praying and well, it's the evening now and Sabbath is over it's not over do you and I see Sunday as belonging in a special way to the Lord is this day something you look forward to and plan and prepare for it really should be the same as it was for the Jew in the old covenant it should be the very centre of our week it should control our week in a sense Everything leads up to it and everything flows from it. The Lord Jesus had to show the Pharisees the true purpose of the Sabbath. It was true, it was a gift from God. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. They had turned it into a list of do's and don'ts. Well, don't do that because that will spoil it. That will spoil it. But the Lord Jesus knew the blessing of the Sabbath. I just want to, we're running out of time and I will finish on time. Um, there's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 58. I want us to turn to 13 and 14. It says here, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honourable, and shalt honour him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt, thou then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I wish I had more time, but the, the key thing here is, call the Sabbath a delight. The Sabbath is a great blessing, dear friends. It's a day when we're called to rest from our ordinary work, whatever that might be, and to have a whole day to delight in God. Now, we, we say we want to do that every day, don't we? But realistically, most of us 
have a packed out day, don't we, in, in the other days? We work, we, we, we get home half dead. Um, we have family issues to deal with and, and, and uh, other things. And God in his wisdom gave us one day where we're to put all of that aside, all that work, all, all that planning, all that pressure. Put it all away, God says, and have one day in the week where the whole day is given over to you delighting in me. We'd love to do that every day, and we do as much as we come, but we have to work. The Lord's Day is a time to put aside all these other things and rest and delight in God. And we are time to gather with God's people to do works of mercy. And yes, as the Westminster Confession says, some will have to do works of necessity. Medical professionals, emergency workers, farmers and so on. But what a blessing it is to have the gift of the Lord's Day. And we need this Sabbath in our lives, don't we? I do anyway. It's the way we're created. We need this day. And we're called to praise God, to focus on him, to hear God's word read and taught and preached. And it should be like a, a refreshing bath for our souls, or a shower if you prefer, I don't mind. It, it, it should refresh us. The Sabbath is meant to be a delight. Well, is the Sabbath a delight for you? It is a duty as well. Sometimes duty um, overtakes some, some, you know, I'll be honest, some days duty is the driver and not delight, but the delight will come back if we're dutiful in obeying God's word. We are called to joyful rest and worship. So how do you and I keep the Sabbath? We haven't been given a list of do's and don'ts. It's not in the Bible. But it's pretty obvious to me that if we're called to rest and worship, then well, we know for sure it's not we're not to do our ordinary work. I'm not sure how we delight in God if we're watching programmes and non-Christian material I, I can't see how that works but we, we're not given a list of do's and don'ts but whatever choose activities that will um, enable you to rest and delight in God and I think if you do that you won't go wrong it should be like um, us it should be like plugging the electric car into the charging point. It's the way we recharge our life. We recharge our body and our, and our soul in the day that God has given to us as a gift. And we go on with that recharge to the next Lord's Day. So, do you want to be renewed in your Christian life? A lot of people say, well, I'm, t you know, I'm struggling as a Christian. I, I'm, I just can't seem to... Well, start with the basics. And this is one of the basics. Remember the Sabbath day. That will help. There's no point reading all these books and, and going to all these conferences. Do, do the stuff 
that's foundational to the Christian life. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And of course, you'll only find the Sabbath a delight if God is your delight. Um, if you delight in the Lord, whose day it is. Sabbath observance never saved anyone. As with all the Ten Commandments, they have to be written um, on the fleshy tables of our heart. If, if Sabbath isn't written into your heart through the new birth, then it'll be a drudgery to you. But if you're born again, the Sabbath will be your delight. And so, dear friends, let us go forward together every Lord's Day, delighting in him, resting and worshipping in him. Amen. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com. That's grace2seekers at gmail.com. Alternatively, you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk.